Good morning, folks. I'm Brian Wren. It's a privilege to be with you today. The core passage that we'll look at today comes from John 15, verse 5, and let's hear it again. It'll show up on the screen. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We just sang a song, the greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. What's incredible is we come to a place in our series, Jesus Is, and we're told that Jesus is the vine. This gardening analogy, this farming analogy. And the reality is, Jesus is coming not just um, with a promise, but he's actually coming with an invitation. An invitation. If you think of last week, last week was all about trouble. All about trouble in John 14. And then he turns the corner here and he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me. Now, many of us take this passage and look at it and go, oh, this is about bearing fruit. He's telling me I got to do something. I got to do something. And I want to make this clear today. The main thing he's telling us to do is to remain. In older versions of the Bible, other versions of the Bible, they use the word abide. They use the word abide. We don't use that much around these days. And so my action is, we'll go with the more modern term that's in some of the uh, newer language where it's remain. But this is critical. And actually, I'm convinced, the hardest thing to do. This is the, one of the hardest things to do is actually to remain. If you look on the screen, you'll see the takeaway, I'm hoping, that you actually spend the rest of your life wrestling with. Because this is the greatest thing and the main thing that God wants us to do. We may have, in our own heads, made it about all these other things, but this is the main thing. It's remaining. And what God is wanting us to wrestle with today and ponder is the powerful uh, concept of remaining. And look what remaining is. Remaining, it's on the bottom of your sheet. Remaining is about posturing your soul so that you can experience the fullness of your loving relationship with Christ. Do me a favor. Everybody hold their soul. Put your soul right out in front of you. Isn't soul a very unique, confusing concept? Your soul is all of your being. It is where you feel. In many ways, it's the combination of where you think. It's, it's your consciousness. Oh, is it hard to explain. How would you explain soul to a five-year-old? let alone a 65-year-old. It's still that complicated. But here's the reality of it. We have to be careful with this. So right now, take your soul again. Put it out before you. Don't squeeze it. Hold it. You've got to care for your soul. There's other passages in the Bible that tell us to care for our soul. They also use the word heart at times. They're synonymous. In my favorite passage right now, in Psalm 62, it says this. It's, it's, it's really God reminding me to speak to my soul. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. Now, some of you might think it might say, yes, my soul, or yes, my soul finds rest in God. No, no, no. It's an encouragement to my soul. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. See the difference? 
Yes, my soul finds rest in God. That's a statement. Yes, my soul find rest in God. No, that's an encouragement. It's exactly what's happening today. I just dropped my soul. <laughs> Be careful with your soul. And it's interesting. There's a diagram I want you to see what happens to our soul when we don't remain. I like using the word rest also in the vine, in what gives full life, which is most satisfying. We take our soul and we attach it to other things. Sometimes we attach it to sensuality because it just feels good and we're drawn to it and it makes us feel wanted and connected. Other times we attach it to success because, oh, then it just builds us up. Other times we take our soul and we attach it to other things that secure ourselves, money, other times I do this, I attach my soul to substances just to cope and get away from it all. Other times I take my soul and I just do whatever I want with it. And I'm utterly selfish. Now, sensuality, success, security, substances all into themselves aren't bad, but we don't want them to be the main thing we attach our souls to because we know that that fruit in the end rots and it doesn't truly last. Oh, it tastes good at the moment, doesn't it? Some of that sensuality, some of those substances, some of that success tastes good. Even my selfishness tastes good at the, in the moment, but it doesn't last. And it's never, never what's most satisfying. There was a popular movie a while back called Up. It's very endearing. And it teaches about how hard it is to remain. There's some dogs that are working for the enemy. And the main dog, his name's Doug. Doug the dog. If you haven't seen Up, you've got to go see it. It's cute and it's deep and it's rich. We have a picture of Doug, I think, coming up here. And Doug has a problem. He has a mission from his master, but he is easily distracted. Anytime a squirrel comes, he just loses his attention to anything else. We have, we have squirrels in our lives that steal from our soul, don't we? This remaining thing's very difficult, I'm convinced, but it is what he's really just called us to. He wants this rich friendship with us. And then he says, if that friendship evolves and you stay connected and your soul finds rest in God alone, then the fruit will come. We try to produce the fruit without the remaining. Isn't it interesting? That's just called hard work and frustration. There's some people that we've been talking to and saying, hey, tell us your thoughts on remaining. I want you to see this video right now. I think remaining is a good word. It's a really good word because it says exactly what abiding is. And I know the scripture says in some translations says abiding, but remaining is really good. And that feeling that you're able to have of um, presence of his presence. Staying connected throughout the day is something you really have to work at. I don't think it's something that happens naturally because I don't think that's who we're, that's who we are wired as. I think we have a tendency to go off on all kinds of trails. It's having a relationship with Christ. It's about having him be your friend and be able to talk to him as you would anyone else. Just getting into the Word and, and you'll, you'll find what you're, what you're looking for. So when I first get up in the morning, I get my iPhone going and I start listening to Scripture while I'm shaving, while I'm getting ready. Listen to music uh, that will bring me into His presence. Uh, maybe listen to a sermon in the car. Anytime 
I'm engaged with people. I try to be engaged in a passionate way, in a way that loves people, so that it's clear to them that I'm committed to them, that I'm interested in them. That may be a way that that we can love God that we probably, and stay close to his presence that we might not think of. Trying to keep him with me all day by thanking him. You know, the challenges of doing that are just, every, you know, the busyness of your job and thinking about a task and maybe being frustrated or angry that something's not going the way that you'd like for it to. One of the ways that I don't stay remaining is um, when I'm watching sports either football or basketball because I get really intensely involved so I have to be careful that I don't get so caught up in it that I get frustrated and angry because then that puts me way off center way off center by allowing um, Christ to be in me um, be active in me show me how to do it. So he's, he's like the roots and, and the trunk of a tree in, in, in that respect and we, you know, we, we are given the opportunity to tap into that uh, anytime and it's more usually about our stepping away from him as opposed to his not being there. And it's just a matter, to me, that's a, surrender, that's a matter of surrender. Are people wrestling with remaining? Eleven times in ten verses he uses that word, remain. I want to bring up Tabitha. She's our worship leader at 11 o'clock. And we've been talking about this passage throughout the week. And at one point we were talking about it and I said to her, Oh, I like what you're saying about this passage. So I want her to go into detail about this garden imagery uh, for your benefit. Good morning. So as we were speaking about John 15, I was sharing with, uh, with the team that, you know, I was raised in, um, in church and heard this passage preached so many times that it just seemed like a word puzzle to me. Abide and prune and branches, and that was kind of all I would hear. And then one time uh, I, I read this passage when I was sitting in a vineyard, and it was completely different. And I, I think so many times we come to the word... <clears throat> And we lose, we lose that it comes in context. These people actually lived. Jesus walked with them. And particularly this passage, they were walking through a vineyard. And I believe that Jesus, as he was um, in this last few days of his life, had very specific things to say to his disciples. And I know he did it on purpose. It wasn't like, oh, maybe I'll just say this because that seems like a fun thing to say. He was preparing them for the end. And this whole few chapters of John, from John 13, 14, all the way through until his crucifixion is a long conversation in different places as he's washing their feet and as they're going through the last supper and then he talks to them about how he's going to die but you guys don't need to be afraid and then he says okay come with me now and then they walk through a vineyard and he starts to reveal um, this picture of what it means and John includes this in the book of John and he clearly says why we don't have to wonder why the book of John was written John says I'm writing all of this to you so that you would know so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. John is saying, I want you to have full faith and full confidence and believe. Put your entire life, say, yes, I know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. 
Jesus endlessly wants to remind us who we are and who he is. That's why we come every Sunday. Do you ever get here on Sunday and go, oh, I forgot this. Oh, yeah, I forgot this part. He's good. He's good. He loves me. We have to be constantly reminded both who we are. We belong to him. That song we sang. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. Sometimes when I'm singing, I'm like, that's so true. I forgot that this week. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I'm a knower of God. I'm a servant of God. I'm a lover of God. That's what these are for. And so they go into this vineyard, and vineyards are really important. Gardens, farming, this, uh, this metaphor is really important through all of Scripture. In fact, we, it all started there, right? Adam and Eve. God could have chosen to put them anywhere, but he chose to put them in a garden. I believe that was on purpose. He wants us to understand something about what it means to walk and live in the sense of farming and seasons and growth and what it requires to grow. In Isaiah 5, Isaiah gives a prophecy about, uh, about the one he loves, who is God, who plants a vineyard and does everything he can to make sure it grows well. Jeremiah 2 talks about uh, the vineyard as a metaphor as well between God and his people. All over the minor prophets, it's kind of all over. And, and for them, it's kind of like living in Sonoma. Vineyards were very popular. They were at a lot of places. Uh, I think for us, um, maybe Jesus would have used traffic in the Bay Area. I don't know, something that we can all relate to. The minute you say it, we all have this emotional response, right? That's exactly what a vineyard was for them. And so, um, so seasons are really important to understand. As we're watching this endless loop, uh, I was thinking about, sometimes I get so frustrated with my life because I don't always have the fruit that I, I want to see the fruit and I want it to be big and I want it to be good. And it's frankly not there <laughs> at times. And the Lord's been speaking to me about ordinary time. There's lots of ordinary time in farming lots of ordinary time there's really one time of the year it's really short where you get the fruit and you harvest it and it's a celebration right why because you've waited a long time and done a lot of work to get there there's lots of days where there are the leaves it's not very exciting and we have to weed and we have to get the bugs out and it's a lot of work um i i am not a gardener at all And I thought it might be a good spiritual discipline for me to, like, jump into that at some point one time. And um, it didn't go well, but that was (laughs) was a good lesson for me because I realized this is hard work. This is hard work. And so, uh, as Brian was saying, I'm going to say it again because I think it's so important. The main thing, though, that Jesus was trying to say, so that's all the setting, right? All of that is kind of intuitive for these men who are raised around these vineyards. But the main thing that Jesus is trying to say is there's relationship here, and I want to keep this relationship here. So when that passage is read, what do you hear? Because I'll tell you what I hear every time I heard this passage for years and years. You know what I heard? I heard, you better watch it. Because if you don't do enough good stuff, you're just a branch, and I'm going to cut you off, and I'm going to throw you away, and I'm going to put you in the fire. So that's, I can get there so fast. I don't know if you're anything like me at all, but I, you know, I come to church and go, well, there you go. I'm clearly in danger of hellfire. Good morning. Thank you, Brian. You know, I, like, instantly can go from lead on, O king eternal, I'm all your, oh, great, I, I might not make it. <laughs> There's no fruit. And uh, I just want to start or continue to say that's not the point of this passage, actually. Uh, That's part of it, definitely. The Lord wants to see fruit in our lives. 
uh, but that's not why he's saying this to his disciples. Maximum fruit production is not the point. And threatening you with hellfire is not the point of this passage. What is the point? Well, let's look at it in that, lo- in that longer conversation. Jesus just looked at his disciples in the eyes very intimately and said, I love you. And the Father loves you. And I'm telling you all of these things because I want you to know that they're going to happen. And when they do happen, you're going to look at each other and say, oh my goodness, he said all these things. And now we believe even more. And he said he loved us and he gave himself for us. And they encouraged each other. And then Jesus said, now I'm going to go away, but don't be afraid. You're safe. I'm preparing a place for you. I promise you. He said, I promise I'm going to come back for you and take you there. And don't worry, I won't leave you alone. In the meantime, I'm going to send you a comforter. I love the Father, and I do exactly what he tells me. And I want you to do the same thing. Because we're friends. That's what he said. When you do what I tell you, you're not just my servant. You're my friends. And he wanted to remind them as well, I chose you. You don't ever have to wonder where you stand with me. In this vineyard, I want to remind you that I chose you. You didn't choose me. And I'm not disappointed in my choice. Let's do stuff together. And here's how. Jesus said, I am, the first thing he says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. There's lots of other vines. There's plenty of vines. Like Brian was saying, sensuality, success, security. There's plenty of other vines that we can be connected to as our source. But Jesus said, I'm the true vine. If you want fulfillment, if you want peace, if you want to be the fullness of who I created you to be, you want to partner with me to see the kingdom of God come in the earth, stay connected to the true vine. That's me. And the father is the gardener. And I love that he says this because he's not just saying it's just me and you. And by the way, I'm getting out of here soon, but don't worry. He's constantly talking about his relationship with the father and encouraging the disciples in that relationship as well. And a gardener in that time, my grandfather was a farmer. So whenever I think of farmers or gardeners, I think of people on like these big tractors, frankly. But as I was sitting in the, vine, uh, in the vineyard that day and realizing uh, there were no machines back then. He's saying, my father's the gardener. He's not just the master of the property. He's the one who walks through and knows every vine and says, oh, yeah, this one's not doing so well. And he puts his hands on it, and he helps it out. And he makes sure it stays on the trellis. And he makes sure that it's connected to the source for water. My father cares about his vineyard. And he's the gardener. He's the one hands-on in our lives, and he knows us deeply. And the Spirit, he doesn't say this uh, explicitly here, but he's just gotten done talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's going to lead them through this time. And Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in Galatians uh, 5.22 and 23, where he says, the fruit in our lives comes from what? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit is that life inside us, the life flow that comes through the vine with the gardener, all of us connected to bring fruit for the glory of God. You know, I heard this story, um, going back to that idea of remaining and staying. I heard this, this is the last thing I'll say. I heard this story when I was a kid about this, uh, um, the state, they made this new road and they, need, they needed lines down the middle. So uh, they were looking for someone to paint lines. And this guy sh- showed up and said, I need a job. And they said, awesome, you're hired. Here's a paint can. They set the paint can down and here's a paintbrush. And he said, great. So he started painting 
painting stripes on the road. And the first day, he painted 700 stripes. And they were so thrilled. They said, you're a great paint striper. Please come back the next day and paint stripes. So he said, okay. He came back to the same place the next day. His paint can was there, and he started going. And that day, he only painted 300 stripes. And they thought, well, that's still pretty good. But gosh, that's a lot less than the day before. So he came back the next day. And he only painted 75 stripes. And they sat down with him and said, you know, we really need to talk to you about this. This is a problem. And he said, I know. I just get so tired running back and forth to that paint can. I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I told that story to my kids, and my daughter laughed at me. And she said, Mom, that is ridiculous and the most inefficient thing I've ever heard. And I said, exactly. And that's exactly what we do when we try to read our scripture or come to church, and then go off all day trying to paint stripes, right? Jesus says, will you stay with me? Remain. I am the source. How about now? Oh, there we go. I want us to ponder how we stay close to the source. Because it, it's so easy, isn't it, to be distracted. And then our soul wanders to other things and actually attaches to it. Gets attached to it. And that fruit uh, is not as good and will not last as long. If you look in your insert, uh, Tabitha just really explained and gave us a deeper understanding of the vineyard. And now... It does take some effort on our part. So remaining requires effort. But I think we can break it down into these simple three things. So because this gets very complex and we get very distant, but it comes to these three things. It's really about resting. It's really about remembering. And it's really about repenting. In your insert, uh, there's some passages. Listen to what it says in Isaiah. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. So even in the Old Testament, it said this, if you return to me in repentance, confess and come back, and then you just rest in me, this is Isaiah 30, 15, I'll rescue you. Rescue comes from resting in him, remaining, and then actually repenting of the things we get overly attached to. But then there's another way, remembering. In Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy is remember, 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 all right? Because we're forgetful people. Our souls forget. Our souls get attached. And God just wants our souls to rest in him. So let's talk about resting. How do you really rest in the Lord? Well, it's about acknowledging him in the present. You're just walking through your day. And you do such things as just talking to him. Continue the endless narrative with him. People may think you're crazy. But that's okay. Remaining is about endlessly talking to him. I will tell my kids at night as I put them to bed, they have a little prayer model I encourage them to do. Talk out loud to him. Talk out loud to him. Because here's what I find. When I don't talk out loud, uh, my mind gets attached to something else. That's why I journal. That helps me do that. But endlessly talk to him. And then take the natural things in life and just make them spiritual by talking to him about them. I once went to counseling. I said, I wanna, want us to be more spiritual in our family. And the guy said to me, well, just take the natural things in life and talk to God about them. 
take the natural things so they become spiritual, and then the spiritual will become natural. The number one way to rest is just to talk to him. And then the other way to rest is just to sit before him and listen and observe and open up his word and realize what it's saying to you. How about remembering? Remembering is about just giving thanks. You heard it in the video. You can remember just by giving thanks for what you know about the past is true about him. God, thank you how you provided to getting me to this point. God, thank you for what's in front of me, my children. God, thank you that I am capable to walk and talk and be, have so much freedom. So remembering is about thanking. Remembering is about remembering the best promises that you remember about him. So mine's Psalm 32.8. Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. What are the, some of the core promises that you can come back to? Do you have them written down? How about remembering what God has done? I have 10 years of history of what God has done. It's actually now what I started in 2000, so it's over 10 years. It's 15 years of history. Little dates, little phrases that I think God did on those days. I go back and look at some of those. I can't even remember them. So I think, well, that really wasn't of God. I wasn't supposed to remember it, okay? But there's other of those, and I go, oh my. How did I forget that? That was so profound, and that's so useful to leading me into the future with him. Resting, remembering. How about remembering him at every meal? That's why we should pray. The solid represents his body. The liquid represents his blood. Just remembering him. How about remembering him in the morning? I've given you the morning prayer, I say. My prayer of remain. Good morning, Lord. This is your day. I'm your child. Show me your way. I won't go into the whole prayer, but this prayer, I try to wake up and just recite in my head. I memorized it about 10 years ago, and I just try it to be my morning wake up to remember and ask him to help me remain. And then repenting. Look what repenting does. Repenting helps us return. Repenting is about confessing. God, I've been overly attached to this. I need to come back to you. God, I am sorry for this. I need to come back to you. I believe resting can be the easiest. Repenting, we've got to overcome our pride to do it, and we've got to get good at being confessing people to him. And he'll free us. And then remembering uh, is so, so important. So as you go today, I want you to ponder your return rate. What's your return rate? Do you return often to him, sometimes, or re- literally almost never? Meaning, I'm back here, it's Sunday, which is good. So this is where I don't want you to beat you up. But we're just trying to move it to a little more. Because this is what we know. When we re- so don't take this as guilt. Please don't. Take this as Oh my gosh, if I remain, look at the fruit. I have this rich companionship with him. Fruit will, will bear from me and it will last. I will experience this joy and God will get the glory. So this week, what will you do to remain? In a while, you have an opportunity to take communion and Dane's going to lead you through uh, these same thoughts again to help you really take it to the next level. So God, we thank you. Oh, you just love us so much and you knew what the disciples and we were about to experience and you just told us, rest in me. May our return rate increase more and more because of your love and only because of your love. In Jesus' name.
listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church Podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.